Welcome to the Barefoot Scholars Podcast. Join three moms as we share all we've learned and are still learning on our adventure from paper and pencil work to the wide open world of barefoot education. Hello, and welcome to our third episode of the Barefoot Scholars Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about socialization, a question that if you homeschool, I'm sure you have been asked. Everyone wants to know, how are you socializing your kids? Are they missing out? But before we talk about that, let's dig into the bigger concept. Is school actually conducive to socializing? If you really think about it, there's no other time in your life where you are stuck just with the people of your exact same age. You know, it's much more realistic that you're going to be at work in a job where you are interacting with people who are of all different ages. You know, you could be a 42-year-old and your new boss is 27, and you have to learn how to deal with those different relationships. Not only just the different ages, there's also the um, issue of time. You know, these kids, if they only have 30-minute recess once a day, that's the only time that is for true socialization. I know I was a kid who always had on the report card getting in trouble for talking um, (laughs) to my neighbor. I know, shocker. (laughs) But getting in trouble for talking to my neighbor. I mean, that was my biggest crime all through school was Mm -hmm. always getting in trouble for talking. So that to me just makes me reflect on my own experience. Was school ever even built for socializing? And not that it had to be, But as a homeschooler, that is the biggest question we're asked every single time with every single person. So really, that's the question. Is school conducive to socializing or is a more natural lifestyle, such as homeschooling, actually potentially a bit more conducive to true socialization? Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to add, Sammy? Yeah, I will add that in school, I feel like I was very social, um, but I feel like as an adult, now that I'm social with different groups, I truly feel seen and heard. And that makes me feel safe to be able to be my authentic self. And when I look back at school, I don't know if I was ever authentic. I think maybe I played a lot of different roles where I tried to mask certain vulner- or certain insecurities. And I wasn't really vulnerable about who I really was. So um, I think about that aspect too. And in homeschooling, you have more room to be I guess I don't know does that make yeah. sense I think you have more room to ha- develop deep intentional mm-hmm. relationships yes. and you know I think our kids yes they play well together and you know we are obviously all big believers in the power of play but they also have gotten to know each other on really deep levels they see each other struggle and mm-hmm. they see each other get upset and they mm-hmm. see each other succeed and you know they're they are there with each other cheering that on oh cheering them on along the way and I feel like the the depth of the relationship is just really incredible to watch and that's not to say that you can't have a deep relationship in public school obviously Mm -hmm. I have some of my closest friends that you know I met in school settings as well Um, but this is our school setting and this is where our kids are you know meeting these people and developing these really deep and like you said authentic relationships Mm -hmm. I think too you know you hear a lot and I'm not going to lie, before I was homes- uh, before I started homeschooling, I also thought, you know, homeschoolers are so weird. Like, you know, people say you can look and pick a homeschooler out of a crowd. I mean, and they might be right. I, right. <laughs> right. That's, that's what I'm getting at, though. But I think it's because of the 
safe, close relationships that they have. They're not being influenced by the it people in the school. They're not worried about who's going to say what to them if they're not wearing a certain outfit or a certain brand of shoes or whatever. Our kids seemingly blindly choose their clothes and are often mismatched. And, you know, I could like, you could have seven outfits laid out and I could pick out which one each of our seven kids is going to wear because, mm-hmm. and no, none of them are going to match and none of them are going to look like this beautiful, like put together out of a, you know, I don't know, like, catalog. I don't even know what's cool. Abercrombie catalog. I don't know. But it, there, I can pick out which one is going to belong to which kid because that's who they've been since the very first day that our kids started being together mm-hmm. all the way to now. None of our kids have ever, I've never heard any of them ever make fun of each other for their clothes or any. So that kind of leads right into our next topic of less drama since we don't have the influence of other people. We have smaller groups. So have you encountered any challenges with socialization in the last four years? I think you're always going to have some sort of challenges. I mean, it's not like our rela- our kids' relationships with each other are perfect. You know, they have definitely had their own struggles or um, their own conflicts. But I think what I am so grateful for and within our lifestyle is that, you know, if our kids, if any of them are upset with one of them at the beginning of the hike, we have the whole hike to get through that and they have the guide of their parent to sit there and work let them feel seen and heard and see what we can do to problem solve we all as moms have each other's backs and support each other and know what triggers each of our kids have Mm -hmm. if we know something's going to get set off or if we Mm -hmm. and how to support our own children through it and then how to also support you know each other's kids and our own kids through through it all so i like just that they have so much time because i think if it was only 30 minutes or of recess or the little bit of lunchtime, um, it can get really hard to be able to actually truly problem solve. But if we have the length of a hike, we have not only that time duration, but we also have the physical distance of, you know, kids can go to the, the, go lead the pack or they can stay behind or they can just take some physical space and emotional space to be able to get through it. And the other thing I'll add is that you know, I think we saw this all floating around social media, the three of us did, of a reel talking about the the fact that our kids have, they have time to cool off and the time that they spend together, but they also, they don't get oversaturated with their friendships. Lots of downtime. They, there's lots of downtime and they can, we can take time. Mm-hmm. They don't have to go to school the next day and see mm-hmm. that kid who really hurt their feelings, mm-hmm. you know, or... Um, you know, if we need to take a, a breather, we can take a breather. We have the flexibility to pause mm-hmm. and to give them that time and space away from one another. If that, I mean, I don't feel like anything that extreme has really happened, but just no, in general, yet, if it's like, you know, if it just, there just means sometimes that we just, kids just need some space mm-hmm. and they get to have that, which I think preserves their friendships Mm -hmm. and then they don't have the noise of other kids oh well what happened and Mm -hmm. why are you mad at so and so Mm -hmm. and well this is my best friend today or you know it truly is a gift that they get to have to have Mm -hmm. that that time and separation I wanted to add one thing onto that um I think another and I can only speak for us collectively the three of us because we spend a lot of time together adventuring and things um so our kids are together a lot and when those issues do come up I think 
knowing, like you said, that we have each other's backs, but also knowing that none of our kids are going to be perfect and they're also Mm -hmm. learning and they're learning, you know, where other people's boundaries are and they're learning what other things might hurt somebody else's feelings that they never thought would hurt their feelings. And we don't take it offensively when I don't take it offensively when your child said something that hurts my child's feelings. Mm -hmm. I walk my child through that and you, you know, walk your child through why my child is upset but it's not like a your child intentionally hurt mine, mm-hmm. you know, that which you know, and I'm not even faulting parents, but when you're not there to see the situation escalate, you're getting that one child's point of view. And if that child is hurt, they're going to be it's going to probably be very exaggerated. And that's mm-hmm. not the fault of the child, that's not the fault of the parent, that's not anyone's fault. It's just the truth of the matter. And, you know, when kids are seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, I mean sixteen their problems, their drama feels so minuscule and obsolete to us. But Mm -hmm. to them, that it's huge. And I think when we're there witnessing it in the moment and we can be there for them right when it happens versus getting the recap version of it after they've been holding it in and it ruined the rest of their day and we're finding out seven hours later and, you know, they're completely escalated Mm -hmm. because – they didn't have a safe space to come to for the last seven hours. And, you know, so you're seeing them right before bed and they're breaking down. And then, then they have to go to sleep and then you're waking up the next morning and you're putting them back on the bus, like you said, to face that mm-hmm. same person. And maybe they never even got the resolution that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, that's not a fault of anyone. That's just a benefit we have of yeah. seeing the situation unfold, understanding each other as moms, understanding children in general, having grace for each other as moms, having grace for each other's children, Mm -hmm. which then in turn teaches our children to have grace for other people. You know, hurt feelings hurt and it sucks and it's hard and it's really hard to get through, but it's going to happen to all of us Mm -hmm. and it's going to continue happening all through our lives. So it is important our children know how to navigate that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a huge benefit we have when we are right there just being able to get on it, knowing that we have the grace of everyone in our group. Absolutely. And I guess that's a perk of homeschooling, right? We get to witness what actually happened Mm -hmm. and dissect it for our child later. Mm -hmm. And then also I can speak on the behalf of both your children. I can say, well, I know Lennon has a good heart Mm -hmm. and that because I I know his character. Mm -hmm. I might not know the character of the child at the playground that I've never met. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I mean, but I can say, you know, Lennon, he loves you. He's a good friend. Or Molly, she's four years old. This mm-hmm. is, you know, like we can actually like dissect it with our child and help them problem solve. Mm-hmm. And that's a perk of being able to see them interact, like how the conflict happened and help them move through that. Mm-hmm. I think what you just mentioned about the age brings up a really good point because there are different ages that our kids are interacting with every single day. You know, we have a group that ranges from age four to 11. Mm-hmm. And these kids are learning how to navigate the working, being around different ages. It's kind of like we talked about in the beginning. That's a huge skill that they're going to have to carry on in their life. They're going to have to learn about emotional maturity and immaturity. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to learn about life experience and how different people um, view things, or and sometimes due to their age, or sometimes due to due to their own experiences. But then learning that lesson at this age and living life like that, knowing how, and learning how to get along with people of all different ages, um, working together, I just think that that's something that it's such a gift that we can give our children. And there's a quote by um, Peter Gray who 
is our resource from episode one. Mm -hmm. And it says, age segregation and lack of opportunities for free play add to the forces that work against the development of cooperation, compassion, and nurturance at school. And Michelle, do you want to speak on that quote and just kind of the reference of Peter Gray and Free to Learn? That reminds me of, I was just thinking how cool it is to see our kids in their wide age, uh, age span be able to be the leader in lots of different situations. I know Callie and Emma and Milo are all most creative um, <laughs> kids of the bunch, and none of them are the oldest, but if it's a creative activity, they're probably going to be leading that, and they might have the most creative, best painting or best you know sculpture or whatever it is that we're working on um you know and all, all of our kids have their own strengths and it's fun to see how age doesn't matter when it comes to who the leader is it really boils down to your natural strengths or your natural intuitions or you know I am sure you feel the same way I love you know watching Ella or Callie help Molly if she needs me when I'm not right there or I'm not the closest person or I love when I hear them encouraging her and even Molly at four will you can do this sissy you got this you go girl you know mm -hmm. and that is so fun for me and it's so cool um to see all of our kids across all the ages just again just really hone in on their strengths and lead the group mm -hmm. regardless of their age regardless of whether they're the oldest or the youngest well, and I think for better or worse, or at least um, for us as the mothers of the two youngest, um, Michelle and I have the spicy four and five year old, and those two have learned how to take charge of the whole group. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. um, and and that can be you know challenging mm -hmm. for us because they are so confident and you know know that they can be leaders. Mm -hmm. And no, I'm kidding. That's obviously a beautiful thing about them, mm -hmm. um, but it is something you know. I just remember we were on a hike just a couple weeks ago where those two led almost the whole. They thing were leading the whole thing and then to the point that we had to call ahead and mm -hmm. say hey you guys have you can't mm -hmm. go where we can't see you because <laughs> um, they are so confident in here leading the group of you know the the 11 and 10 and 9 and you know wow all, down, down, yes. down, all the different yes. kids that we have together so it's really cool to see everyone be able to to, to shine and to be the leader mm -hmm. So we are such a, like a big sports culture in America, I feel like, especially like in high school, people will go to a certain school to play for a certain sport team. So let's talk about that. What type of social activities or sports are our kids involved outside of traditional school and maybe some of the activities that are the same as if you did go to public school? I'll speak on Ella's behalf. Um, she's a runner, so we've tried a couple different leagues. Uh, she's ran through the YMCA, which is, of course, open to anyone. <clears throat> Um, she, we found a homeschool only organization, uh, that goes, well, each sport kind of varies. They start all the way as low as kindergarten. The running teams start in third grade, but it goes all the way up to high school. Um, they have a lettering program with letter jackets for their high school students. There have been kids on her cross country and track teams that have gotten college scholarships for running. So, uh, essentially it's just like running with a school, um, and then she's also ran through our local, basically it's a travel um, running club. So it's after the standard cross country season and after the standard track season um, that she runs through. And there, she likes running with them too because she gets to meet kids her age in the school system that might live closer to us and have those relationships, have those friends based on locality Whereas when we're running with the homeschool team, 
Um, it's obviously cool for her to meet homeschoolers and bond over that because sometimes she does feel left out of conversations happening with the public school kids in our running club. Um, but with the homeschool team, she bonds over all being homeschoolers, obviously, and it's fun for her to see the high school kids. And honestly, you guys, like, I was blown away the first time that I saw those high school kids because Ella was in third grade when she started, and she was running with seniors. And because they're homeschoolers and many of them, many of them have younger siblings, like, they're so sweet to those kids, you know. And I was just shocked at the culture and the love and the support and the encouragement that these little bitty, you know, annoying elementary kids got from the high schoolers. But I don't feel like you would find that normally in the school system. Um, and I, I mean, I wholeheartedly believe that that's because many of them have younger siblings and they've had no choice but to, you know, be that encouraging leader in their families. But, oh, the one thing I was going to say about the homeschool league is that the downside to that is that, at least in Indiana, where we are, there's only, I don't know, a handful of those organizations. So not everyone lives in the same area. So the downfall of that is lots of travel for uh, meets, and maybe somebody she bonds with and wants to be friends with doesn't live quite as close in our same area, which obviously makes getting together a little challenging. But we've had really good experiences in both places, and she can do both of them because they their seasons don't overlap, and uh, she's just a better her when she runs. So I love that. Anna, what about you? What do you, you want to talk about some of the activities that your kids are involved in? Sure. We have done lots of different things. Um, our middle does gymnastics through, you know, just a local gym. So it would be just like anybody else who pays to go take lessons there. Um, and then our oldest, he actually has played, I mean, every sport under the sun. But currently, in the last couple of years, has been playing um, basketball through our public school elementary league so it's still pay to play and so I'm sure that's a big part of it is that you know we're writing that check so they're going to cash it and he gets to be on the team um, but it's been great it's been good for him to meet different kids in our area and I've been grateful that you know the district has been accepting of that and he's really enjoyed it we've also done drum lessons we've done guitar lessons and the perk of those is that we do them during the day because mm -hmm. we can and so it <laughs> frees up our evenings which I just I'm so grateful for for making that happen um, we've also done different art classes through our local art center we do all of us actually do robotics um, mm -hmm. and we're on a robotics team that is comprised of homeschoolers Montessori students and public school mm -hmm. students um, so that's been a great experience for everybody. And then we have a lot of classes we do through our library. So that's not sports, but it's just another, well, a lot of those aren't sports. But, you know, those are mm -hmm. just other activities that are available that sometimes people don't don't realize. But you can play sports if you're a homeschooler. So I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, a good thing for people to know. And you can get scholarships. Mm-hmm. Lots of different <laughs> opportunities. Yep. And these are all examples of our children socializing with other children. Mm -hmm. So it all matters. Um, and Emma also does piano, or she did piano, and she also does ballet. And Molly does swimming during mm -hmm. the day, so that's a huge mm -hmm. like life lesson that I feel like yep. is so important. And she gets to do it during the day, which is amazing. Yep. Um, so we have something written down here, and Hannah, I want you to talk about this. You said crew of like-minded people. What do you mean by that? So we kind of talked about when we were playing this episode, things that are important to us with our you know, finding our community and how our kids have socialization. And so one thing we talked about is it's really nice to have a group of like-minded people. 
Um, and then as we were, we were reflecting, it's kind of like, okay, that, that is a really great thing, but not to say that we're all the same. Mm-hmm. And to be very clear about that, you know, we have really strong core humanistic values mm-hmm. that the three of us agree on, um, that our children agree on. And that is something that provides a lot of ease in our friendships, a lot of ease in the relationships of the kids. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're all the same. And I think, you know, when I think about home, when I used to think about homeschooling, I always thought about it as people chose to homeschool to close their world. And that happens still. Mm-hmm. Probably majority of people. Absolutely. Um, but... I know for myself, and I believe I can speak for the two of you, we chose to homeschool to open our kids' worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not about closing it off. This is not about only hanging out with people who believe the exact same things that we believe. In fact, the three of us don't believe the same things. So, you know, this Mm -hmm. can show we have really incredible and deep relationships um, with people who, yeah, are like-minded, have core humanistic values, but we are not the same. And... um, I think that's important because I don't want my kids to grow up with people who are exactly like them. Mm -hmm. I want them to learn from others and be inspired by Mm -hmm. others and grow from their relationships with others. So I'm so glad that even in our homeschool community, yeah, we get to be choosy, but our kids are still being exposed to so much, no matter what. And I think, too, since we can't or it's not realistic to assume that we can make connections with you know, people of every nationality and color and race and and all the things and religions and all that. One thing that I think we do really, really well, not to toot our own horns, is seek out opportunities that give our kids exposures to people that don't fit us right here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been to, Sammy, you set it up. What was the um, field trip? Coffin. Levi and Catherine Coffin uh, Museum, you know, to learn about the Underground Railroad. And, I mean, when our kids were sitting in that room, mm-hmm. walking through the museum first, and then walking past that big mural of the man being lynched, mm-hmm. and then watching that video, I mean, all the way down to our four- and five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Their faces, they really just... It was pure shock. And it's like, you know, you can talk about things and you can read books, but when you're in a house looking at artifacts and seeing what the house looked like and you're crawling through the secret door in the bedroom where they hid slaves who were on the run, there, I mean, there is, I have goosebumps talking about, like, there is nothing in this world that can replace that experience for our kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's part of opening our world. We realize that we... You guys, we live in central Indiana. I don't know if we've said that or not, but, you know, there's there's not, we don't have access to everyone. We don't have close friendships to everyone. We don't have personal connections with people of all walks of life that we can expose our kids to, but we do a dang good job at seeking out those opportunities to do just that because I, I want them to have compassion for people of all walks of life, and I want them to understand, you know, I don't, I don't want them to feel guilty for their life or, you know, that they have a fairly easy life right now, but I want them to understand that not everyone does and not everyone has and all the things it took to get us in general to this place. You have mentioned the Levi and Catherine Coffin Museum Tour, and that's another example of another opportunity for us to learn with our children. Have you found other local homeschool communities or support groups? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have taken classes through our state museum. 
and I don't know about all states' museums because, you know, I've only lived in Indiana my whole life, but our state museum has really cool um, sites. What are they? Sites, yeah, all throughout Indiana that teach us all kinds of different things. So we've really taken advantage of those and toured those um, to get different offerings and have those hands-on, like, immersive experiences. Um, our children's museum has homeschool classes, uh, zoos, the libraries, Hannah had mentioned, but... I mean, the libraries, you don't even have to be a member, mm-hmm. and our libraries are approved membership. So you can really go to any surrounding county um, and kind of homeschool class hop <laughs> those. Uh, our park system, I feel like, is great, both our city and our state parks. Our kids have done really cool classes through those. Um, I know a lot of churches. I don't do um, any homeschool classes in churches, but I know up north in northern Indiana, there's several churches that offer those. Um, and then, home, uh, sorry, co-ops. Um, or other homeschool groups that aren't official co-ops uh, in our areas. My girls do a lot of classes through there. So, it, I mean, I, if you just do a little bit of searching and a little bit of weeding through those search results, I feel like there's there's a lot more probably than you're aware of out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they provide opportunities for, like you said, kids to our children to meet people from, people from all different walks of life and um, get to know the reality of their community you know I think that's always a concern well how will they know what their community actually is like if they're not in school well because we are in the community you know that that's how they learn and I mean I know we've talked about this a lot through this episode but when you were talking again about the Levi and Catherine Coffin exhibit the age thing you know we were on that tour and there was only one other person on that tour and she was a 55 year old maybe 60 year old retired teacher Mm um but you know we've also done other we there was on that one, and then there was another one that we went to the TC Steel, uh-huh. and we were with two older women as well. And the tour guide that day said, "Do you want me to give the kid version of the tour?" You know, kind of looking Which was at basically the, watered down. Yeah, and looking at the older women, thinking, "Well, I don't want to not let them have their experience." And we all three chimed in and said, "Oh no, like mm-hmm. we we know there's a four and five year old mm-hmm. here, but no, give them the real." The real deal. They want to know the true facts. And he did. You know, that was a long tour. And, you know, people started to lose a little bit there towards the end. But overall, we're incredibly engaged. And it's such a good opportunity for them to, you know, be able to, another concern, right, sit and listen. You know, mm-hmm. our kids have plenty of opportunity mm-hmm. to do that in these different, different, oppor- or in these different places. You forgot to mention when you were talking about that, how proud we were of our four and five year old who were very engaged and yeah. raising their hands and asking thought-provoking questions mm-hmm. thought-provoking for them and most yeah. of them were very concrete things I mean we were in a house that was built in I don't even remember a long time ago and everything looked different you know and it was questions like how did that oven work mm-hmm. and That's they were fully question. engaged that was a really fun day when people ask about socialization it's usually with the assumption of the lacking of socializing with people. Mm -hmm. So can you share all that we gain when we are homeschooling? Yeah, I think, you know, we have to be open about the other side of the the coin. So I think if you've been listening to this episode so far, you hear that we view it in a very positive light Mm -hmm. of the socialization that our kids get. However, there is truth that they are missing out on friendships that they Mm -hmm. could potentially have at public school. Um, You know, one thing that's nice about public schools is they're typically community-based. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to have people that live near you that you might get to know, maybe kids even in the neighborhood. Um, and so we can acknowledge that, yeah, they there could be people that they're missing out on meeting 
But I think that's also the reality of choices we make in our lives no matter what. You know, if I choose to send my kids to um, this school or a private school, you know, there are always there are always going to be new people to meet in those in those experiences. Um, but we've also, my family uh, specifically, has met people that we would not have met had we not chosen to homeschool. Um, I did know Michelle prior because she was my son's preschool teacher, but we did not have, we had a social media relationship mm -hmm. and that was it. We never have hung out before um, and always liked each other, but it was never a, a true friendship. Mm -hmm. And so homeschooling is what brought us together and to, for us to get to know one another. Sammy and Michelle did have a relationship prior and knew each other and their kids knew each other. Um, but I would have never met Sammy had it not been for homeschooling. To, so I would have never met her and then therefore my children would have never met her kids um, and their family. And so I think it's just, it, it really is incredible that yeah, there might be something that we're missing out on, but we're also gaining something that we would have not um, by doing this. And there are other friendships along the way that we've been able to make um, with people that we've homeschooled or people who homeschooled for a little bit of time but then have chosen to go back and those were all the common denominator mm -hmm. was homeschooling so there's always opportunity and you know we have to you got to take the good with the bad mm -hmm. I guess but we're grateful for the opportunities that homeschooling has given us and I will add if you're worried about our kids missing prom don't be there's proms for homeschoolers <laughs> there's homecoming for homeschoolers there's winter formals for homeschools it's a thing guys They'll be all right. <laughs> See, that's a misconception, though, because right. you think if you go to public school, you get all those opportunities. But my son, who's in public school, does not want to go to the dance. Mm -hmm. He is very introverted, mm -hmm. and he isn't somebody that would want to go to the winter formal mm -hmm. or prom. I mean, maybe, but he didn't go to any of the dances last year, and he hasn't gone to any this year. So the assumption that public school allows you to be super social is not necessarily true. It all depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. um, so... Yeah, I like that. That's, That's all I got. It's a great perspective. <laughs> hey, it's it works. It's true. I think one thing we talked about too is that with our kids being homeschooled, you know, we talk about socialization as in peers. Mm -hmm. um, but I know for me and my family, one thing that's been really incredible is that my kids have gotten to have special time with their grandparents. Um, my husband's family lives two hours away, but there have been days that his parents have come up to see this during the middle of the week because they they are retired and so they are able to and we are available because weekends are wild they're mm -hmm. busy and we have um we have lots of different things and then his sister and her kids they have lots of different things so you know that's difficult especially when there's a two-hour difference so to be able to really have that special time with them is something that I would never trade um also my parents live really close and they make a huge um, effort to be a part of their their lives and you know just today we had library class for my youngest and the boys went over and had time with their their grandmother and so I just I know that sometimes my situation can be unique that my parents do want to be so involved but it's also such a beautiful gift and opportunity for my kids to have that special time and you know if an opportunity comes out to hang comes up to hang out with a grandparent we take it mm -hmm. we can do math tomorrow or in 50 days I don't really mm -hmm. care you're, you're not you know at the risk of being morbid you're not going to have every day with your mm -hmm. grandparents so soak it up any in those memories anytime you can you know just 
over um, our break, my I, I had my sisters in town. We were able to spend time with them. We can go travel to see family, you know, and I'm so grateful for those opportunities. And then I also had um, grandparents, my grandparents, my children's, their great-grandparents who were living in an assisted living facility. Um, they've both since passed, but my kids we would go and we would visit them and we would take grandma and grandpa flowers or an ice cream or just have that little time. They may have been 10 minute visits, but for them to have 10 minutes with their great grandparents, like that's a gift that I can never, could never replace. And I know that we would not have had that time, you know, to be able to spend um, all of that with them if we were in a traditional school setting. So it, it, yeah, they might be missing out on something, but man, what they're gaining is mm-hmm. is pretty incredible too. I would agree with that. Uh, our kids' grandparents both are all still work full time, but those great grandparents, me and my grandma's here from Kentucky, and we can just pick her up and take her to see Christmas lights, or you know, take her to lunch, or you know, I mean, after we did all that, we came back to the house, and it was just fun for the girls to have a new audience to show them their magic tricks they've been working on, and you know, snapping pictures and sobbing as I'm watching my four-year-old sit on the couch coloring with my grandma, you know, when I could remember doing that. And Callie bringing down her Lego table and showing, you know, grandma all the things she built with her Legos and describing every single thing. And grandma just being so thoroughly impressed and engaged. And yeah, it's just those, you'll never get that back. Do you find it hard to strike a balance between socialization and learning? Or do you always choose socializing with peers family members i think that's a trick question i think there's there depends on depends on which uh category of socialization you're talking about um like hannah said if it's if it's time with family members if it's time with out-of-town guests um or those grandparents or great-grandparents we're picking that every single time Mm -hmm. if it's you know a play date and we've been a little you know we've had a lot of adventure days or a lot of family um family time or what have you um we're probably going to pass on a on a play date here or there and choose to do school work at home but i mean if it's an outdoor adventure also we're we're always down Mm -hmm. i love that I would say the same for me too. The reason why I ask that question because I will always choose an adventure or socializing mm-hmm. or spending time with a family member over learning personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just interested in how you handle that. Um, but by so, learning, you mean sit down and do book work, right? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> learning, is, gonna happen. learning yeah. is happening all the time. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, something that we do within our family, like Matthew used to work a different schedule where he would work 3.30 to like 12 a.m., I forget. But we had all that time with him, and we would go swimming at my dad's house, and we'd be able to have one on, or I guess like two on one time, because it'd be Matthew and I with Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that was very valuable, and most kids don't mm-hmm. have that much quality and quantity time with their parents. Um, so that was really special, and mm-hmm. something that obviously we couldn't do because she went to public school just because of the hours. Mm-hmm. As we wrap up this episode, are there any final thoughts that you guys want to share about socialization? Um, I just wanted to say that I really thought we'd struggle with, you know, quote unquote socialization when we first started homeschooling, Uh, which we started in COVID. So it was a little more of a struggle. But now, 
holy moly, you guys, sometimes I look at my month calendar and like every single day we have something with someone else, you know? And it's like, I have to start saying no sometimes because the girls and I are used to downtime. We like that downtime. You can tell when we haven't had that downtime. And so I have to, I have to say no sometimes, which I really hate doing to socialization, but also we can kind of tell when we've been like maxed out on that too. Um, so if you're out there and you're really on the fence about homeschooling and your concern is socialization, please do not let that hang you up. There is, I mean. You'll find your people. There are so many opportunities. And you know what? I met so many other people. These two I did not meet through outside public homeschooling things, but there are, gosh, probably 10 to 15 different moms in our homeschool group that we participate in that I met through one specific park's homeschool classes that happened during COVID when they had to be outside and they had to take away field trips from schools. And it was just, it was the same couple of us moms at these classes. We started meeting at parks outside of the classes and now we all attend the same huge homeschool group and we attend the same book clubs and our kids attend the same home ec classes. And it, it all, it will all have, all of that will come. It might take a little bit of time, but it's not even COVID times right now. So it, I mean, well, and what's cool what you just said is that kind of what we were talking about earlier about like-minded, but we don't mm-hmm. not our, we aren't necessarily the exact same. You know, Michelle does have this great co-op that she utilizes, and Sammy's gone to a couple of classes of it. We've never been; it's not our jam, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Right? You'll find what works for you. And you know, for me, actually, my first two years of homeschooling before I really got connected back with I mean I talked with Michelle on day one but before we had spent a lot of time together and before I had met Sammy I reconnected with an old friend from high school shout out to Amy Moore if you're listening (laughs) Uh, but you know Amy and I we would get together all the time and her son now goes to Montessori school which is the perfect path for them but Amy and I yeah we knew each other in high school but we had not talked since then outside of social media and it was so cool to get to know each other and now our kids are on the Lego robotics team together and we get to still continue our relationship so you never know who homeschooling will mm-hmm. bring you back to in your world or bring you to in your world and I think that is such like a cool cool thing that we've been able to experience through this absolutely redo and resources our redo this week is brought to you by watching old videos on my phone (laughs) (laughs) um we were actually looking at uh the girls and i were trying to just find old videos i think they were asking me if i remembered their little toddler voices um because four-year-old little molly is like growing out of hers and it's like every day we're like is tomorrow going to be the day where she says that word the right way? All you mamas out there know what I mean. Um, but we were scrolling through my old f- videos, and I came across a video when, wow, um, Ella and I were really struggling uh, together, honestly. We had a lot going on in our life. Um, it was our second year of homeschooling, um, and in October of that year, my sister was going through a divorce and her and her two very young kids moved into our house. Um, so we had lots of kids in our house. Um, two feisty toddlers, a preschooler, a first grader, and a third grader. And then two different moms and a dad. So there was a lot going on. Um, you know, because we had to make room for my sister and her kids, um, their 
physical space of my kids was kind of lost. Um, there was a lot more sharing that normally happens. We were still trying to find our homeschool rhythm that worked for us. Um, there was just a lot going on. And on top of that, uh, math was becoming a struggle for Ella. And there were times when, gosh, one math problem would just kind of ruin the whole day for everybody. And I kind of started taking videos at one point because I was trying to find out what her triggers were and what worked for calming her down. And um, I came across one of those videos. And since then, I've kind of learned to let go of the book and prioritize our relationship and make sure that her spirit and her just overall zest for life say at the top of our priority list um and it really brought me back to a sad place when I came across that video unexpectedly it just really kind of was a sucker punch to the gut and it's really hard to watch mm -hmm. and looking back at those videos and knowing how long it's been since an episode like that has happened really made me regret all the time we wasted on a stinking math problem mm -hmm. <laughs> or a stinking math concept, you know? And it sounds really important at the time. And I, I some some days I still struggle. I still struggle with, with in my mind, think she has to know this to be successful in life. But the thing is, is that she's 11 and she has the rest of her life to learn a math concept when she can realistically apply it to something that affects her everyday life she doesn't have to learn it right now she's clearly not ready to learn it right now and once I gave up the control and the power that I was exhibiting over her saying this lesson has to be done on this day come hell or high water you guys our world changed what a gift you gave her all right, today's resource is a book that we've all read and really loved. It's called Balance and Barefoot by Angela Hanscom. And this book just encourages play. It encourages specifically with a playground or just nature and exploration. Um, it It is, I just remember listening to it and being blown away by all of the facts um, she talks a lot about the benefits of spending. You know, we see kids spending all the time, and yet we've gotten rid of all of the merry-go-rounds, you know. Um, but spending is so good for children, and it helps develop their inner ear. And it's just, it's it's incredible when you learn these different things. Also to mention, she is an occupational therapist. Mm -hmm. So this is something that is incredibly research-based. Um, it's not some random person just talking about stuff that they like you know it is uh very research-based and she also discusses a lot about eyesight and how being in nature specifically um impacts our eyes because we don't our eyes and our ears because you don't realize how much you're listening how how much your brain is try having to if you're out in nature you've got wind you have trees moving you plants moving birds chirping squirrels making whatever that noise is that they make and whatever animals you've got feet walking and when someone is having a conversation to you your brain is working so hard mm -hmm. to to focus in on that conversation and so there's so many things at play that we don't even realize are happening and same with eyesight um, your eyes are working so hard and becoming so strong focusing on all right the 
depth perception, the light changing. Oh, we just went into shade. All right, I got to adjust. And your eyes become so strong just through those natural experiences. Um, my son actually, my oldest, he wore glasses when he he was told in kindergarten um, they thought he had issues seeing the board. And so we took him in for an exam. And sure enough, he was nearsighted. Um, and had to have a prescription how to have glasses, which are incredibly expensive. Um, and he's not worn that since we homeschooled. He's never worn them. He's played baseball, been fine, not gotten hit, was able to make hits. He was a pitcher. Um, so his eyes clearly nearsighted and it's working just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I really owe it to our choice of homeschool. I mean, obviously some people have eye problems and that's normal. I wear glasses. Um, but there are some times where kids are being over-diagnosed or just more diagnosed at such a young age because their eyes are not developing the strength because they're not spending time outside. Mm-hmm. You know, she also talks about fine motor and how we focus on fine motor so much, you know, giving preschoolers pencils to write. And she talks about how kids have to strengthen their hands before they write. And how do they strengthen their hands? by gripping a swing, Mm -hmm. by grabbing a branch, by pulling on the monkey bars, you know, just the absolute strength or the, in order for a kid to be able to sit still in a chair, they have to have core strength. How do they develop core strength? By balancing, by like holding, by gripping, just all these different things. And it's just such an amazing book. You can't tell I really like to geek out about it. In fact, when I served on our school board and was a homeschooling parent, I recommended it to our superintendent because I was so passionate about it um, and really wanted our school district to incorporate more outside time for our students because, man, nature is a gift that we all have access to. It's free and it gives continuously to all of us. And the last thing I'll share about this is one thing she helped us all understand is that moving, children moving their bodies during learning, specifically like a read aloud or practicing math facts, it might be kind of triggering or annoying to the parent. Very (laughs) Um, triggering or annoying. (laughs) But it is what actually helps their brains retain everything that they're learning. And in our family, after I read that book and learned that, um, we always say busy bodies, quiet mouths. Mm -hmm. So... When we are doing a read aloud, when we're doing a lesson that is me teaching and we're speaking, my kids are on our carpet with plus plus or Picasso tiles and they are building and creating, but they know they have to have a quiet mouth. Mm-hmm. So they, but they are building and creating that whole time or coloring or drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we do math facts, we do jumping jacks or just like jump up and down or when we do spelling our kids use the stairs and every step they say a letter to practice their their spelling words so this is a fantastic book it will change your your life if you choose to listen to it or read it so definitely check it out again it's balanced and barefoot by angelo hanscom for me just to add on to that um, i thought it was fascinating to learn the progression of playgrounds from when our parents were young the 1960s to what they are now and if you read the book you'll find out what I mean by that and also as a previous teacher who didn't read this until after I was homeschooling I emailed my previous principal who was still principaling that school at the time and said you need to have your staff read this because there are so many little such doable changes I could have done in my classroom to help those little preschoolers develop just in a better way, in a more realistic, 
in a more realistic, beneficial way. Um, so, yeah, teachers out there, read it. There are so many little things that you can do inside your classroom, still meeting the demands of those administrators that will change your students' lives and probably yours because you're going to be doing way less classroom management as far as, say, crisscross applesauce with your mouth closed 27 times during a read aloud than you're doing now. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend any educator, daycare worker, parent, homeschooler, non-homeschooler, anyone that engages with children from the age of, like, baby to 14 years old. I'd recommend it 100%. Mm -hmm. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at barefootscholars underscore the podcast to follow along on all of our adventures. You can also like and subscribe to our channel to make sure you don't miss our next episode. And if you like what you hear, we would love for you to leave a review.